We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Welcome to Overnight America. It's another night in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm glad that you have found this program and you take time to enjoy it. I hope it is somewhat enjoyable and not more frustrating. Sometimes it feels that way. But yeah, we talk about some uh, controversial topics sometimes. Controversial not meaning like, oh, I can't believe he said that, but we just try not to shy away from things. So we got a lot to actually get to tonight. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Missouri when it comes to the potential of a vaccine getting its way here. Other times, there's uh, disgruntled St. Louis County restaurants threatening inspectors. Uh, we'll talk about that, too. Joining us also this hour, from uh, he's a local attorney. He's actually the person that, uh, that ran up against Kim Gardner for the circuit attorney's office here, but ended up losing to Kim Gardner. Daniel Zadrowski will come on and he wants to uh, talk about, and I, I wanted to actually talk to him about the recent news about Kim Gardner. So a court has denied an appeal that alleged there was some nepotism going on in the case against her. So we're going to talk to him about that. And I think it's a good reminder that maybe we can go over some of the uh, problems that we're having with the circuit attorney's office, because these things just haven't disappeared after the election. I, I think he'll do a good job when it comes to recapping that. Also, Dr. Michael Bussler in the next hour, he's a public policy analyst. I wanted to ask him what he thinks is driving the markets right now. The Dow closed up again today, which is good news. And what does he think about the return of Janet Yellen? How's that going to impact financial futures? So we'll talk to him about that too uh, later in the show. Neil Romano is a chairman of the National Council on Disability. I didn't really think about this until they sent out an email which said, yeah, you know, people are getting their jobs back. You know who are not getting their jobs back? People with disabilities. So they've been hit very hard because of COVID. And I thought, you know, they really, they really don't get the consideration they deserve. So we wanted to talk to Neil about it and figure out what is going on, the unemployment rate among the disabled community. So a lot more to get to on the show, too. So I wanted to start with this, and you probably have seen the headline. KMOX.com has it. Will you refuse a COVID vaccine? Missouri residents are among most vocal saying they won't get the vaccine. That surprises me. I'm surprised that of all the states, Missouri would be right up on top of the list. I do believe that as a state, Missouri really does value their freedoms. Now, given there are certain pockets of Missouri that would probably just hand things over to the government if 
it allowed them to just be taken care of the government. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I don't actually need my rights. Go ahead and take care of me. <laughs> then there's the entire rest of the state that doesn't think that way, particularly everywhere in the middle outside of between between St. Louis and Kansas City. Pretty much anything sandwiched outside of those areas very much love their freedoms and glad their state is holding out the way they have in the way that Governor Parson has been holding and taking care of things, allowing local areas to decide for themselves as opposed to doing a blanket mandate on anything. We're seeing in the county a lot of pushback when it comes to restaurants and problems, and people are very frustrated that, again, they may be faced with losing their business because of the upped restrictions when all of the surrounding counties don't have them. We see even in the city some issues, um, but not as much as the county. So for the most part, people really do look at Missouri and say, okay, at least they're giving you the options as opposed to like Illinois where they won't or some of these other states where they just flat out won't. At least they're not being hypocritical like in California or New York. You know, in California, the governor will go out there and say, hey, if you're getting together and gathering, uh, we're going to find out. We'll shut your water off. <laughs> you know, we don't want we want to discourage you. So we're going to use this fear tactic of shutting your water off if we find that you're getting together with other people. Oh, and by the way, don't eat indoors. And then they have a uh, video and a photograph of the governor Newsom eating indoors <laughs> right after going out and chastising everyone else and lying about it. Oh, no, no, no. It was actually outdoors, indoors. Well, no, 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 no. The, very clear in the pictures that he was lying about that. And same thing with New York. They're all hypocritical. All these different governors that have gone above and beyond and just hassling people and trying to say you don't really deserve the liberties that should be afforded to you. You don't deserve to be able to make your own decisions on things. Yeah, all of those, it seems like those governors are so hypocritical. They go out and they are the one of the first ones to violate the own orders that they're trying to implement on the people. So I understand that there would be some skepticism when it comes to anything COVID when they look at it and say, we just don't like being jerked around. But this is the thing that really does surprise me. So if I was living in a state that was highly restrictive, I would almost feel like the push that was given to me by the government would be enough for me to counter push and say, well, if you're telling me I need to take this vaccine, I really need to think this over again, because if you're telling it to me, then there's got to be something wrong, right? There's got to be some other alternative uh, motive for this. I just cannot trust you. But here in Missouri, you should be a little bit more trusting to, because they give you the free option to be able to do these things. I feel like it's not an issue where they're trying to force it on you. So your reaction is get out of here. Missouri seems like they've given you a pretty awesome options when it comes to areas where you can live, get away, do all these different things. And even if you're in the county, hey, you can just drive to St. Charles, right? Hey, you can drive to the city if you really want to. You can do these things. And all of these businesses in the county are suffering and fighting back from the overreach that they believe is happening in the county. Sure, all of these other little political things are going on, but none of them are saying that they're, they, you have to get this thing. So when I see the pushback to the vaccine, I think, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that there is this much of a pushback. There, it's, it's going back to what I was saying. When someone forces it on you, then you see a, a big force pushback as an equal and opposite reaction type of deal. But when there isn't the force going on, I'm surprised that Missouri is one of the biggest states to push back. That's what I'm surprised about. For me, I won't have any hesitation to take the vaccine. It won't bother me taking the vaccine. But there are a lot of people that are just unwilling or don't want to or don't see the value or don't trust it or whatever it is. Maybe you're one of those people living here in Missouri. Residents are the number one most vocal group in the country saying they will not take the COVID vaccine. I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't have a problem giving it to uh, the rest of my family. 
still a little bit more time before you'd even consider giving it to kids. I don't think it's necessary, but I'm not in a high risk scenario. I don't think I'll be offered the vaccine early. I don't think I have any leeway to do that sort of thing or any sway. But when it's offered, I won't have any hesitation to take it. I'm curious for you, though. Are are you someone that wants to push back on the vaccine? Why wouldn't you take it? 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I just want to take a couple of calls on this because I'm just curious. This is Overnight America KMOX. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. And thanks for joining us here on Overnight America. We do have uh, a guest that's going to be joining us in about 15 minutes or so. Daniel Zadrowski, he's a local attorney and he's going to discuss the denied appeal from Kim Gardner. And I just wanted to give an update on where things are sitting in that office. Remember, he's the one that ran up against Kim Gardner for that circuit attorney's office. So he's got a lot of information, of course. Uh, So this would be good. It'll be a good recap. So we do not forget that things are still not that great in the circuit attorney's office in St. Louis. So let's take some of your calls leading up to that and start with Tony. Welcome to Overnight America. Yes. um, I don't think I want to take it simply because from everything that everybody's said in the past and everything, when you have a new drug, normally it takes a year to two years to uh, do all the tests and, and everything that it takes to get these drugs approved. And it seemed like they did a lot of things to... Uh, push this uh, COVID-19 through to get it mm-hmm. to pass. And it doesn't seem like they did all the safety precautions that it takes to get something to pass. Mm. So, you know, you know what it reminds me of a little bit is how they tell you if you're going to buy a new car, you don't buy the first model, right? The first year it comes out. So you kind of have that type of feeling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let them work out the kinks before it gets too far down the line. All right. Hey, thank you for your call, Tony. I think there are a lot of people that do feel that way where they feel like maybe because of the nature of trying to get this out as fast as possible, that shortcuts were made. Now, a lot of people have pointed out that you just can't um, put out a drug with shortcuts that would compromise the effectiveness of the drug, because ultimately speaking, think of it this way. If you're a Pfizer or Moderna or whoever that gets this out first and you're pumping out millions and millions and millions of these vaccines, keep in mind, I haven't heard anything about them getting immunity if there's a problem with this thing. They would be held responsible if there were problems. So obviously, would they want to put their entire company at risk for infecting the entire country? I don't know. Um, you know, that's one way to look at it. But then again, it's a it's a comfort level. Do you feel comfortable? comfortable doing it or not i do feel comfortable so i guess that's just that let's go to ron who's calling in welcome to overnight america thank you very much i kind of agree with you that i feel confident that the drug is going to be effective because it's my understanding there has been a significant amount of testing of this drug out there in in the country already and they, they know that the results are a certain high percentage very effective especially for certain types of people Mm-hmm. And because of my age, I'm I'm interested in getting in line to to get a vaccine when it becomes available. So my question to you is that what particular time during the month of of December do will people in St. Louis be able to go to their 
doctor or practitioner and get a drug? That's a good question. I don't know if there is an answer to that yet, but I think they're, they're still waiting for final approval on a lot of things. Distribution's a big part of it, but I feel like the distribution um, plan has been put into place. And I don't even know if you'd be able to go into your local doctor because the way that the Pfizer vaccine is rolled out, there's very specialized equipment that's needed in order to store this stuff. They said it's like sub-zero temperatures. You can't just pop it into a freezer chest and keep this thing cold enough. Apparently, you have to keep it in a very specialized freezer, which only large hospitals and places have. So your normal you know, corner doctor that you'd go to wouldn't have that type of equipment. So it sounds like you would almost have to go to a special location in order to get it. Um, I, you know, I just don't know. I, we haven't really seen the finite answer, but they keep saying it's you know we're weeks away from this sort of thing. But it's a good well, that, question. Uh, that refrigeration uh, is going to... Um get in the way of a, a, a mass distribution of it very effectively very soon if you have to have that sort of a uh, environment to do able to distribute the drug according to that uh, refrigeration system. That's what they were saying, yeah. And apparently it could go out of refrigeration for five days. So they, if you're going to be taking on mass quantities of these things, keep in mind it's going to be in such a high demand. I guess you would need the National Guard to distribute this thing to try to keep constant flow of this stuff. But keep in mind, um, just based on trying to supply it to a population of 330 million, not every city is going to have the highest priority. So they can't just like have a sh one shipment coming in every day and to try to keep things fresh. That's why you need these refrigerations because they'd want to put it in, in bulk. But uh, thank you very much for your call. It's good to hear from you. Now, I could be wrong on that, but... From what I remember with the Pfizer vaccine, I don't know if it's any different from the Moderna one that would be coming out, too. Let's go to Arthur, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Welcome back, Ryan. How was your vacation? It was one week, and it was great. And I still have a Christmas vacation to look forward to in a few weeks. So uh, okay. here's a preview of that. I agree with you 100% what you was talking about with the first caller. Mm -hmm. I, I took that virus test five times already, and I don't have it. Mm. Yeah. Well, you drove through the line like one of the quick pop-ups where they would give you a test? Yeah, they put that hot Q-tip up in your nose at the house building when you go there. And they take the temperature before you go up and see the doctor. Wait, it was a hot Q-tip? Yes. Wait, did you say it was a hot Q-tip? Yeah, it's a Q-tip they put up in your nose, and then they take your temperature and make sure you don't have no fever or nothing. And yeah. it makes my head hurt for three days after oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've seen the video, and I've seen people get it. I didn't realize it was hot. Like, I didn't know that there was a temperature to it. Hot, believe me, man. It burns. Oh, no. they got to find another way to do it. I wonder right. which way they're going to do it. Right, would it be worth then risking taking the vaccine and not having to get that test all the time if you feel like you have a pretty good, solid chance of being uh, immune to it at that point? Yes, they say that 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 it has some kind of side effect if you take take the vaccine. Mm. You have to get two shots. Yes, they did say that. It's it's multiple shots. It's not just one. That's right. The doctor office. First, they're yeah. going to do the nurses and the doctors. I'm going to see how they come out. If they come out all right, then I take me one. Oh, interesting. All right, Arthur, thank you very much for your call. That's a great point, because if you want to talk about the frontline workers having top priority, that would make 100% sense to get the doctors and nurses hooked up with that. Then what do you do? Do you do paramedics, police, fire? 
Do you try to do the ones that are interacting with the public as much as possible? Do politicians get it first or last? Where would they be in all of this? I don't know, too. Let's go to Dan. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, thanks for taking my call. you got a great show ahead tonight for everybody. Um, i got three quick things. Uh, number one, uh, you know, Trump was talking on uh, TV the other day. He was saying that, you know, don't give Biden any credit for this uh, virus uh, medication and everything. It's all on me. It was, he made it sound like he was in the lab and found a cure for possibly finding the cure for all this. Now, my question is, if this stuff doesn't work and nobody uh, gets uh, healed from all this, is he going to take the credit for it not working, or uh, what's the situation? And then the other question I got, what is this going to cost us? Is this going to cost us $1,000 out of pocket, or is our insurance going to be so darn high that we ain't going to be able to afford it? Thanks for taking uh, my call. All right, thanks, Dan. Two, two points on this. So I, I think the first point, the credit that Donald Trump gets to take for this is trying to speed up the process, the Operation Warp Speed, which is we got to get this out and we got to do it as fast as possible. So here's a few things that they did which I think play into the giving credit to Donald Trump. Number one, we already mentioned the infrastructure. So how how are they going to distribute this sort of thing? So keep in mind, he's already worked with all the states and the governors. Here's the plan. Here's how we're going to do it. This is how it needs to roll out. And then putting a plan in place to help the different individual states in distributing this sort of thing. Now, I don't know if they put a hierarchy together and they say, okay, here's what we believe are the top priorities of people that would get it first. I don't know exactly if it went that far down, but they've already, even during the summer, they were talking about putting this plan together in order to distribute it as fast as possible. The other thing is, as part of the relief packages is that they were investing and purchasing these ahead of time. So remember how they were spending money and investing this money in Operation Warp Speed in order to get the uh, vaccine to the American people. So let's say we have our great American companies that are putting this together, the Pfizer's of the world that, you know, are first to come out. They would say, okay, instead of distributing this equally across the planet, uh, we're going to give you the money, but we're going to get the vaccine first. So they end up pre-purchasing what, like 300 million doses of this stuff. And, you know, they're going out there and going above and beyond in order to try to supply. Remember, he got a lot of criticism for that. They said, oh, boy, look at America first policies, you know, cutting the line as if there isn't other countries that should get this first. But then you have a Donald Trump that's actually saying, no. No, I think we're just going to invest the money. This is how it works. <laughs> we're going to buy it. And we're going to give it to our people first. So you might not like that he did that, but I do like that he did that. I like. I think that is another way of saying that if we're the ones that are developing all of this, we might as be might as well be the ones that benefit from it first. Because hey, if we're going to put the uh, if we're going to put the heart, blood, sweat, and tears in the money invested behind it, as opposed to distributing it across the planet first. How about we look at our own people first? That's not a bad way to look at it. Now, the effectiveness of this is not on Donald Trump. He, you mentioned he's not in the lab. Sure, no one's in the lab. All those other policies he put in place was to try to get this out as fast as possible. He has nothing to do when it comes to the actual makeup of this vaccine and the effectiveness of anything else that goes into it. All he did was try to relieve all of the different burdens and all of the different uh, hurdles that would be put in front of these companies that would stop this and make it harder to get this back to market. He just wanted to get it out there faster. So when he says things like that, that's what he's talking about. I think those are all things he needs to be commended for. Let's go to Matt, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, so in, in regards to the uh, the vaccine, I, I mean, I'm not down for it. I, I think 
you know, if there's therapeutics out there like the hydroxychloroquine, I'd, I'd take that route first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't trust vaccines out there. And it seems like some vaccines throughout history just happen to have some serious side effects that can uh, really harm you. Yeah. Well, let me just throw this out there. So let's say there's there's two ways of looking at it, which is the treatment side or the prevention side. So I think part of the prevention is to help with the problems that we're seeing now, which is, hey, we get this big influx of people going to the hospitals and they're out there saying, oh, we're going to overflow the hospital. So we're going to shut the, the county down. We're going to shut the city down, trying to prevent moments like that. So there's all of these other disruptions into people's lives, the economic disruptions, the day to day, the school disruptions, the everything disruptions. If you could eliminate those sort of things, by giving a vaccine to everyone so you don't see those influxes to the hospitals, then you get back to everyday life faster as opposed to treating it after the fact with disruptions. Yeah, that's that's kind of true. But you, you got those people that will take the flu shots and those who won't. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm on that side that won't. OK, that makes sense. That uh, also probably plays into uh, your, your feelings in general of treatment as opposed to prevention. I get it. All right, Matt, thank you very much for the call. Isn't that funny how flu shots work. A lot of companies offer it. You can even go into the corner stores, the CVSs and the Walgreens places that'll offer it. Our work offers it, but the problem is they only come in during the day when I'm not there. So I'm normally not uh, given one. But when we started having kids, the doctor said, okay, now that you got young kids, you have to get a flu shot just because, you know, for the safety of your kids, it's better that you don't accidentally infect them if you get sick. So that's the only reason why I started getting them. I never got them before that point. All right, when we come back, well, thank you for your calls. I thought we had some good discussions on this. We could talk about it later if you really want to, but I wanted to discuss the latest denied appeal to Kim Gardner. And joining us is a local attorney, Daniel Zadrowski, and he ran for the circuit attorney's office here in St. Louis. Ultimately, Kim Gardner was reelected, but I wanted to get an update from him and kind of see what he thinks about this denied appeal. It's Overnight America, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. He's an attorney with Shenandoah Law Firm. He's also someone that ran for the circuit attorney's office here in the city of St. Louis. Uh, Ultimately, Kim Gardner was reelected. But to discuss her in the news again, Daniel Zadrowski joins us on Overnight America. Thanks for coming on, Daniel. Thanks for inviting me. 
I appreciate it. And I really enjoyed our conversation last time to, to get to know you before the election. And there's there's going to be some things that come in when it comes to the circuit attorney's office. I know you've studied, you're, you're very familiar with what's going on in that situation. And one of the latest bits of news that came out, I was looking at the article from the Post-Dispatch, and the headline was, Court Denies Gardner's Appeal Alleging Special Prosecutor Broke Nepotism Ban. Now, this was something that the special prosecutor looking into the office and her and the, the whole thing that went on with the former FBI agent, Tisabi, and we had issues when it came to testimony, writing things down, not writing things down. There's all kinds of things that are being looked into in in not only the Greitens case, but how this uh, circuit attorney office is uh, operated itself. I was hoping that maybe we can just kind of talk about where we are today, because there's been a couple of challenges from the circuit attorney's office, all of which seem to be pretty weak when it comes to legal grounds. There was one where she claimed that there was this giant uh, racial conspiracy against her that was dismissed. And now the latest dismissal was nepotism when the prosecutors that were the special prosecutor looking into this um, hired, which I believe was their son and daughter that was helping on the case. She claimed nepotism, but this was dismissed pretty quickly, too. Well, actually, this is the second time that the nepotism claim's been dismissed. The um, first time was a number of months ago when it was, uh, I believe it was a few months ago at least, when it was in front of Judge Moriarty. So in the city, Judge Moriarty handles most motions. And this would be your typical motion that would go up in front of her. It's like she just kind of handles things for a wide variety of cases so that she can have a bit of a specialization. And she's already ruled on this, that this is a nepotism and that it's kind of ridiculous to think that, uh, you know, just because they helped out a bit with the underlying, getting the underlying charges out there as far as investigating and interviewing and all that and just very relatively minor stuff, that they would be deemed state employees because that's really the root of what she's digging at here. She's trying to claim that they're state employees just because they happen to work at the same firm as uh, Carmody. Now, Carmody McDonald's a big firm. You know, they, it's, it's not uncommon to have multiple attorneys work on the same issue, especially on a case this big. And so, she wasn't happy with Moriarty's room, so she appealed it to the Eastern District, and the Eastern District agreed and said, "No, this is kind of kind of ridiculous based upon what I've seen." Uh, I really mm. just think that it's more so just grasping at straws, because you know, honestly, Carmody, from what I can tell, is doing his job. He's you know diligently looking for the truth and trying to build his case, and I don't think that she likes it. Yeah, I wanted to just kind of give you my impression and you can tell me if you think this is a fair impression or not. So what we've seen so far is that uh, a lot of times with discovery, when it came to Kim Gardner, they were asking for documents. It wasn't being turned over. There's a lot of moments where she wasn't showing up in court and they would be sitting there and they'd be waiting for her and then she wouldn't show up. There was these instances that were going on, delaying things even further because of COVID and the way that the court system was working. So I see a lot of delay tactics happening over and over again. Do you believe that some of these different challenges are just simply delay tactics? Yes. Yes, hmm. absolutely. I think that yeah. this case should have already, it could have already gone to trial. But unfortunately, you know, if, if she's trying to delay it, you know, COVID's really been helpful with that. It's really just delaying cases all across the board, mm -hmm. just, uh, not just this one. But yeah, no, some of, I don't know, like I said before, grasping at straws. She's just doing everything that she can, trying to see if something will stick. Um, mm -hmm. But also, you know, ultimately, 
excited about what's going to happen if this finally goes to a trial, you know, because she's got a lot more to worry about, too. If he actually, if Tisby actually gets convicted here, she's got a lot to worry about because there's a strong, um, there's been accusations uh, that she knew or should have known about what, about the perjury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, there, we go back to the Greitens case. Um, I, I am wondering if Eric Greitens is going to jump back into this and fight back, knowing what we know now, and to some of the business that went into prosecuting him, if he's going to take an offensive nature and try to defend his name if he wants to try to jump back into politics. So let's say that there is um, a conviction, or maybe it moves forward on Tizabee. It looks bad on Kim Garner. Then all of a sudden, Eric Greitens pops back in and puts some pressure onto it. So that'll just make things even worse for the office. And let me just point out, too, we're talking about a circuit of attorney who has a dismal prosecution rate. I don't think she's doing a good job. This has got to be a distraction to her. And ultimately, what happens in the city of St. Louis, we get hurt. Our, the, the homicide rate's going through the roof. We're about to hit 250 on the year. Nothing's getting done. It's just a it's just a mess. There's a lot of frustration all the way around. Well, I agree. And that's why I ran in large part. I think that one of, one of the big issues with her is that she just buys off more than she can chew. I mean, look at the fact that she's even involved in this. This is serious criminal defense going on here. The fact that she even has a legal team and involved in it, I think, uh, above her experience. She's, mm. she, as far as I can tell, she doesn't really, hasn't really done much defense, and she's barely ever been in a courtroom. I think that, you know, it's for a case like this, if she truly cared about Mr. Tisby and his reputation what he did to leave it up to the professional litigators mm. and part of the indication that she might be in over her head i think at least is that some of these different the the legal founding the legal grounds of these challenges seem extremely weak at best they don't seem to be that solid of a chance so mostly just a waste of time um, it, it makes me wonder, too, maybe this is part of the reason why the prosecution rate's so low in the city of St. Louis. The cases they decide to bring up is what? I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the percentages were, but if you were to look at any other year, prosecution rates would be 90% pro- they would get a conviction, but we're, what, hovering around 50% during her time in office? That's for that's for cases that go to trial. The, the numbers that yep. you're referencing right there, those are case, of the cases that she says, you know what, because her, her biggest... Her biggest uh, modus operandi is to claim, oh, well, I just demand more, more evidence than everybody else, and that's why I'm charging fewer people. But even amongst the cases that she's bringing charges on, as far as I can tell, in the stuff that goes to trial, it's only about 50%. And you're right. In the years past, it was way, way, way higher than that, close, much closer to that 90 percentile. And so if these are cases that she's cherry-picking to go to trial – and our office can only win half. I, I mean, that's that's some scary stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm curious with Operation Legend that has been going on and the feds coming in, helping and prosecuting them on a federal level. That's, uh, you know, I think something that could help. We, we we needed the extra help in the city of St. Louis. What are some of those things you think we could be doing better? Because this is what you ran on. Um, and it's not too late to try to look forward and say, OK, we can still help the city if we were to do these things. Well, you know, going back to the going back to the campaign, you know, I think that the number one problem in the office and the one problem in the city circuit attorney's office is the turnover. 
Now, it's ridiculous to have a 108% turnover rate when you, in, that, in that firm. Now, this was one of the, before she took over, it was one of the most prestigious and sought after litigation firms in the whole region. Now you got a 108% turnover rate as of, that was as of uh, January of this year, I believe. Now, I don't care if you're running a laundromat or a law firm, that's just ridiculous, and cases are going to fall through the cracks. And, you know, when cases fall through the cracks, when victims are denied justice and criminals get back on the street. So I think that that's probably the number one issue with that with that office right now and just her management is the lack of being able to keep good, competent staff working. And I'm not disparaging the people that work there at all. I really am not. I want to make that clear. They're doing the best that they can. But from everything I've seen, they're just presented with insurmountable caseloads, general dysfunction, and incoherent and contradictory orders from above. And when you're working for a fraction which you could be making in the private practice, you know, it doesn't take long to get burnt out and move on to something better. Mm. You know, when you're the circuit attorney, a lot of what you do is to really organize and you use your discretion of where to allocate your resources. And a lot of the resources, the resource of time, as in you can only do so much. There's certain needs that a city has, priorities a city has. If we were to look at the priorities that needed to be addressed in the city of St. Louis, violent crimes and homicides, I think would be number one, but it doesn't seem like we're addressing those. I'm kind of curious if you think um, based on maybe the inexperience that has hurt the discretion of what they decide to do and thus why we're seeing the results of violent crime continue to rise in St. Louis? I don't think it's inexperience. I mean, that, that is the problem she's got. I don't think it's the inexperience, though. I think that she likes the attention. Look at the, look at the McCloskey case. Look at the Greitens case. Those are both cases where nobody was hurt, no blood on the ground, Maybe a crime was committed, maybe a crime wasn't committed, but we still have a years-long backlog of violent crimes, of rapes, homicides, and assaults. And until those are dealt with, if she, if she truly cared about making her city safer, she would not be going after these high-profile cases with everything she's got uh, when we still have such a big backlog. And I think it's because she likes the attention. Mm. You know, I'm curious if you know of any other challenges that may be coming up on her behalf that may push back any other further investigations into that uh, Greitens probe, or if really it's uh, just ready to move forward now after this one has been denied. Well, it's my understanding that this thing could have gone to trial back in May, except for COVID. So Mm. at this point, I don't really... But that said, I'm not one of the attorneys on the case. I'm not working this case. I don't know what possible challenges she has, but if she's here bringing nepotism claims to the Eastern District Court of Appeals, I I can't help but feel like she's running low on ideas. Yep. Well, I think that's good. If people wanted to look you up, maybe some of the things and the issues that you brought up, um, where can they find you? Well, I work at the Shenandoah Law Firm, Swam Firm. Uh, Thoughton Clayton, and our phone number is 314-413-3875. Uh, uh, you can shoot me an email at daniel at com. 
Perfect. Just like the Wait, river. Great way to do it. I think that's great. And I'm, I'm glad that you decided to come on. I know that this isn't the end of cases like this, and I'm sure we'll see her name pop up in the headlines. And I thought, well, who better to talk about it than someone that has done a lot of research into it? You ran up against her in, in the most recent election. Uh, ultimately, Kim Gardner was reelected as circuit attorney, but it doesn't mean that some of the other issues that go along with it have disappeared. So Daniel Zadrowski, thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. I appreciate it. Thank you. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com I wanted to acknowledge an email I got earlier from Carol Daniel. I thought this was a cool email. So apparently someone called the newsroom and said her HD radio wasn't working. Her name was Sue. And we found out that apparently they're conducting some tower work this week and they're running some tests. And apparently the HD radio version is down during that time. Now, HD radio, it's kind of unfortunate because it does add to uh, the value of the listener experience. It uh, gives you a a clearer listen, Uh, but it's technology that isn't widely used and it wasn't really invested in that well. So some people have it, some people don't. You don't really need an HD radio to listen to 11:20 a.m. Some people didn't think it was worth upgrading. Sometimes cars have them, sometimes they don't, whatever it is. So there was some disruptions. I didn't know about it, but apparently Sue messaged the newsroom and she said she uh, was wondering about it because she was having a hard time listening to Overnight America. She she wanted to listen to Ryan that's me. And it was so flattering. I was like, oh, that's great. Thank you, Sue. That's so nice. Hopefully they get that fixed here soon and you get the preferred listening experience you want for Overnight America. Text message that came in before our guest. Uh, we were talking about taking the vaccine and Missouri being one of the states that is really pushing back between Missouri and Arkansas. It seems like the two states that are most against taking the vaccine. Then it goes Virginia, Minnesota, Arizona, Wisconsin, Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, and Alaska. Top 10 states that do not want to take the COVID-19 vaccine. And even some of the phone calls we took right before the break indicated, yeah, there's a lot of people that just are not trusting of this thing yet. Um, one person texted in, famous William, I'll be right there before you having taken the shot will take uh, will make me feel safe when the others who don't are around. He's from South St. Louis, and he said, shots all around? (laughs) Trying to make it sound like you're walking into a drinking establishment. So thank you for that. But watching and monitoring and trying to figure out where this virus is going, there's still many other things that are going on. In the county, it's so frustrating to see inspectors go in, try to shut things down, hassle business owners that are just trying to save what is left of their business after that first shutdown, a very difficult time. Restaurants and all of these other places that serve food, drinks, places, they normally work on a pretty thin margin. It's something that is difficult for them to make up when they can't have the business inside of the restaurant. It's there's such a you see this across the board when it comes to businesses that are using delivery services. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but, you know, there's these different like grub hubs or whatever the food services where you could you is a third party that will pick up the food and deliver it to your house you make a order they pick up the order for you they deliver it to you whatever it is there's a big um there, there's a big discussion about how hurtful those different services are because 
ultimately the restaurant that is making the food probably ends up losing. They're, they're actually not getting all of the profit of that because a lot of it's cut into from the third party service that's delivering it. It's like a no win situation. The best thing you can do is either go pick up the food for yourself or order it directly from the restaurant and have them deliver it to you as opposed to one of these third party places. And even the people that work for these third party places, you know, I see the the, the workers on the street, they're not happy with these services either because they're not treated all that well. So what does that have to do with it? Um, what I'm saying is when you start to hear the arguments at these restaurants, even when other third parties are involved cutting into their profit, they're already working on razor thin margins that they hate. They hate it because they, they can't keep up with it. At the same time, there's pressure for everyone else around them because if they don't do it, then everyone else will do it. And they'll be the ones left out and they feel like they'll just lose their customer base. So they have to play along with the game that ultimately ends them a lot of work, but no profit. It's just a terrible cycle for them. And ultimately, in a business where the margins are so slim to begin with and you're allocating time away from that, it makes it even harder to stay afloat. So what does that service have to do with everything else? It's kind of similar to the way the city and the county have been operating. So you have the city where you're doing everything you can to keep up at least you're allowed to bring people into your restaurant and serve them if you're in the st charles county at least you can bring people in and serve them and do their things and you can do it responsibly if you're in the st louis county not so fast can't do this sort of thing so when all the different restaurants around you are able to have a big advantage and you're purposely left out now you're forced to make some pretty tough decisions now you're thinking to yourself is it better for me to pay the fine in hope that no one calls in and reports me or is it better to fight this and, and pay the legal battle and team up with other restaurants that are upset? Or is it better just to let it go and try to do curbside pickups and all of these things? Because maybe we can make it work. And you cross your fingers and just hope that you can weather yet another storm. The storm that we went through in March was a pretty terrible storm for a lot of different restaurants. They barely made it if they did it all. And think of all the workers that were impacted because of this. You're doing it again to the restaurants in the county. I, I totally sympathetic to the situation they're in, and I hate seeing it. I think it's a worthwhile thing to fight. Uh, you can go to KMOX.com, and you can see that too. County restaurants are threatening restaurant inspectors. They're not happy about it. I'm sure the inspectors aren't happy about it. No one wants to be involved in it. Um, it's just a bad situation all the way around. You can see that story on there. Before we go to break, let's go to John, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Well, I... I... I'm adamantly opposed to uh, uh, these uh, vaccines, and I've uh, been reading uh, from uh, some very accredited uh, doctors and virologists who will never be, never be uh, interviewed by the uh, mainstream uh, corporate media, which has ties and is making, or the media, which is making uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, drug ads from these uh, drug companies that have been not merely accused or uh, indicted, but have been convicted of lying uh, about their uh, fake science, uh, their false research, bribing officials, bribing uh, congressmen and senators, and uh, 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 regulatory agencies here and abroad. I would not trust them, and I believe that we uh, there is an article called uh, The Real Reasons, uh, The Real uh, Problem with COVID-19 Vaccines. Uh, okay. illuminates well, every one of the uh, uh, so-called uh, drug companies. That All right. Are, uh, Very good. John, I'm sorry we run out of time, but John, we'll have to take that look at that article. Thank you for calling in. Good to hear from you. It's Overnight America, KMOX. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.